<laughs> oh my goodness. Good morning. I can't see you, but I hope you can see me. Hey Amen. It's good to be here with you today. Thank you, uh, Scott and Rich, for uh, inviting me over to be a part of uh, what God is doing. I love to be with the people of God, people learning to love God and love each other. Yeah, amen. And, and if you can't say amen or mm, just say ouch. <laughs> I know it's going to hit you somewhere, amen. <laughs> God is really, really, really good to us, isn't he? Amen, amen. Well, well, let's, uh, let's get started. So let me, let me just start with this. There's a 60-year-old couple celebrating the 40 years of marriage. They have a wonderful celebration with family and friends. And so at the end of the day, they get home. And they're going through the gifts and the cards that they received. And as they're going through the cards, they come across one card that says, ask me for anything and I'll do it. And it was signed God. Well, the husband's going, okay, who's the wise crack? Who slipped that one in, you know, with the rest? And his wife said, no, baby, but God is good. He hears us and he does answer our prayer. And so he said, oh, come on. He said, well, let's give it a shot. And she thought about it. She said, God, I've always wanted to go on a Mediterranean cruise. And bam, just like that cruise ticket showed up. And the husband went, okay, who's the wisecrack? Somebody slipped that in here, right? She said, baby, no, but God really answers prayer. And so she said, God, we we need a little spending money. And bam, just like that, $1,500 show up. And the husband's going, well, well, maybe this works. Maybe maybe I can give it a shot. So this 60-year-old said, God, I would like a wife 30 years younger. And bam, just like that, he was 90. I, I got you, ladies, huh? Scott, I know you felt that air went right out of the room. They tried to be light and go, but they're going, mm, I don't like this guy already. <laughs> and, and I must apologize because they tell you that you should never tell a story that doesn't fit your sermon, but since you're a God-fearing saint, I know you will forgive me, right? But uh, I told that story because I like it because my wife and I recently celebrated our 41st wedding anniversary. And uh, she loves me. She loves me. Amen. Uh, Let's pray. God, again, we thank you for this day. We ask that you would open our hearts and our minds that we might receive from you all that you have for us today. And after we have heard from you, may we set our will to do it all, to obey you. In Jesus' name we pray and let everybody say amen. Amen. So that's where I'm from. I'm from James and Ezel, Harvey and Reuben, my grandfathers, and Annie Mae and Odessa, my grandmothers, who were all descendants of slaves. I'm from grandfathers that I did not know that well and saw very little of. I'm from grandmothers who's always filled the kitchen with the best smelling food in the world. Collard greens and smothered chicken and hot water cornbread and oh, that homemade ice cream. Lord, have mercy. That's where I'm from. I'm from Naomi Faye, whose nickname was Pluky, who at first was always reading a book or playing crossword puzzles and baking the best German chocolate caramel and pineapple and coconut cakes, whose life was squeezed out of her by the death of drugs at the age of 39 because she lost her way. I'm from Harvey, who made my three younger sisters and I pancakes every Saturday morning until... He stopped living with us when I was seven. My sisters were six, three, and five years old. That's where I'm from. I'm from a place of beauty and pain, a place known for its world-renowned large single-span bridge, cable cars, and rice-a-roni. I'm from a place with lots of steep hills, Hall of Fame baseball players, and skyscrapers. 
Now, from that part of town where they put the public housing projects, that place that was home to a smelly slaughterhouse whose stench made you feel sick until it became a sour aroma that you just had to live with. That's where I'm from. I'm from a time when black people were called Negroes, could not vote. My dad was 40 years old before he could ever vote. And there were no welfare programs that were meant to help out, but only became you know, another form of slavery. A time when the business district was closed on Sundays where there was no busing and when we marched to free Huey Newton. Black Panthers were our brothers, our uncles, and our cousins, and hippies were our neighbors, and love was free and was happening everywhere. <laughs> and who is John Fitz Kennedy? That's where I'm from. I'm from Annie Mae's soul food restaurant where I earned money by waiting on tables so I could buy or save enough to buy uh, that pocket watch I could only observe on Sundays because downtown was closed. I'm from Odessa's home hair salon and weekend long card games where the stakes got pretty high. Oh, and you could buy 10 big crabs for a dollar. And mama would send me to buy $2 worth so we could have an occasional crab fest. Mm. Hey, mom, uh, why is Julia the only black lady on TV who does not have a rag on her head? That's where I'm from. I'm from San Francisco, that concrete jungle where in the summer times our vacations were playing outside until late at night and listening to music floating through the air from our neighbor's place. Mama, can I get a bike? And now, I'm from a place where change is possible. And I know I, I now have a wife and sons who love me, but still live in a world where I wonder if I will actually be judged by the content of my character and not by the color of my skin. Knowing our history, where we're from, is important. And while there are parts of our story that can be painful and we would like to ignore it and or forget it, it is vitally important that we learn from them than to forget them. Amen? Amen. It's part of my story. In case you don't know it, God wants to use you for his good. In case you've forgotten it, God has a plan to redeem this world. As crazy as this world is, guess what? God loves this world. God wants to see it redeemed. God wants to see it restored. God wants to see this world flourish. Amen? Now, nudge your neighbor and say, he's talking about you. Because, no, nudge your neighbor. No, nudge your neighbor. Tell somebody next to you, he's talking about you. God wants to use you for his good. Amen? Amen. (laughs) Yeah, I'm talking about you. Mr. Ma'am, I'm talking about you. The one who thinks there's no way God can ever use you. What what does it take to be used by God anyway, right? But God loves this world. And he wants this world to know how deeply he loves it. And guess what? He invites you and I into that process to help share the good news of his love. He loves it with a love that cannot be measured. Amen? Amen. I'm glad about that. And I don't know about you, but I've often struggled with what God wanted me to do. And even more, I've struggled with whether God can even use me, which is why I started with my little story. It is filled with ups and downs and good parts and bad parts. And 
but God uses us all. So in that, mind, in that way, let's take a second look at our text. So it says in Mark 3, 13 through 19, that Jesus went up on a mountain, called to him those he wanted, and they came to him. And he pointed 12 that they might be with him, that, they might, that he might send them out to preach and to have authority to drive out demons. And these are the 12 he appointed Simon, to whom he gave the name Peter, James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John. To, to them he gave that name that your pastor couldn't pronounce, which means sons of thunder. I won't pronounce it because I don't want to embarrass him. Literally. Andrew and Philip and Bartholomew and, and Matthew, Thomas, James, the son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. Have you ever thought much about that motley crew? Who were they really? Think about it. Peter was the loud mouth, always sticking his foot in his mouth. Remember, he was the guy who actually denied Jesus, not once, not twice, but how many times? Three times. Amen. James and John, they were nicknamed the sons of thunder because I think they were hotheads. They were going to tear everything up all at the same time, right? Then you have, who's this guy named Andrew and who's Bartholomew? What an odd name, right? He was actually called Nathaniel. He was Andrew's brother. And then Matthew, think about it. Jesus recruited somebody who worked for the IRS. He was a tax collector. Lord have mercy. And he was in league with the Roman government. He was a, mm-hmm, you, you fill in the blank, right? And Thomas, you know, he's a doubter. He couldn't convince Thomas that Jesus was Jesus, even if Jesus himself said he was Jesus. He wanted some proof, right? Think about the kind of people that Jesus recruited. And again, there's James, the son of Al. Who is Alphaeus anyway? We know very little about him. And Thaddeus, he was overlooked altogether, right? Then you had Simon the Zealot. He was the activist. He was going to tear everything up. Everything that didn't fit his scheme, he was going to do away with it, right? Then you had that betrayer, Judas Iscariot. What a motley crew. But the reason we need to wrestle with who these guys are, because you need to see, you need to see what kind of people they were, because hopefully it gives us hope that God can use us too. Hopefully God can use a little black boy from the ghettos of San Francisco growing up on welfare whose mother died at the age of 39 as a heroin addict to do something that matters to him, to do his good. And so we have these people, but this is what they say. Note that they didn't choose 12 who, because of their strong faith, because many of them had faith that faltered. He didn't choose them because of their talent and ability. No one stood out with any unusual ability at all, right? They represented a wide range of people with different backgrounds and different life experiences. But the one characteristic that they shared, however, was their willingness to obey Jesus. And that's what it takes for us to be a part of what God wants to do. Amen? All we have to do is learn to just say, yes, okay, God, I'll do it. I don't understand it always, but I will do it. I will walk in obedience to you. They were listening. They were paying attention. They heard the call, and they came. One commentator stated that they did not hesitate to obey, and then because of that, he appointed them to be apostles. But what did he call them to? He first called them, if we look at the text, he called them first to be with him. Now, I don't know about you, but there are lots of people who are trying to do things for God, and they're not necessarily with God. Amen. Amen. How can you actually do the work of God if you're not in communion with God? 
How do you even know what God wants, how he thinks, how he processes, amen? Which is why we have to be people of the book so we can get a, a good sense of who God is and how God acts and how he does his work. Authentic discipleship is about being before doing. Being before doing. What we do for Christ should flow out of a deep relationship that we have with Christ. Flow out of our communion with God. Anybody with me? Amen. Oh my goodness. This is, this is where Nehemiah is my hero. Nehemiah was in a, a pretty prestigious guy. Had a big role with the king Artaxerxes. He was the cupbearer. But his friends came to where he was from, 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 uh, from Palestine and said, you got to know that things aren't real good back in Jerusalem. Walls broken down. Oh, my goodness, the gates are burned. And if you notice Nehemiah, he did not call the session first, did not call a strategy second, a strategy session. He did not call all the city leaders. Nehemiah went into what we call a season of prayer where he wept and he mourned and he confessed. And the Bible says that he was in that season of prayer for either two to three months. And then it says he came before the king. And the king said, you know you're not supposed to be sad in my sight. What's up? And the Bible said that he was afraid, but he, he went on and said, so what, what's going on, Nehemiah? And the Bible said Nehemiah looked up to heaven and then responded to the king. And we generally call that an arrow prayer when you have to answer somebody on the spot and you go, okay, God, help me. Arrow prayers work best when they're preceded by a season of prayer. Okay? Because that's, that's what keeps us from treating God like a cosmic bellhop. Treating God as our butler. God, you got to come right now. And God's going, who are you? I mean, he knows, but you know. He's trying to let you know. I ain't heard from you in a while. Your voice is a little vague. I'm not. Who are you again? Who are you? Amen. <laughs> but, but these arrow prayers work best when they're preceded by this season of prayer. And I believe that it's in this prayer time, as, as dull at times as it can be, as mundane as it can be, there are times I'm saying, God, did you even hear me? But he does. And it's in those times that I believe that God gave Nehemiah the vision of how to rebuild the wall. Gave Nehemiah the strategy to talk to the king about this, that, and the other. I'm going to need all these things. And God granted him favor. Why? Because he was first with him. So God first calls us to be with him. Young folk, you need to get this. God calls us first to be in communion with him. That's how we get his heart. That's how we get his passion. That's how we get his vision. Amen. Then secondly, he calls them that they, he might send them out to, somebody say preach. Somebody say declare. declare. And the rest of y'all can join in and say share. Yes. Okay. Now, the reason I'm doing that is because I want you to get out of this idea that, that Pastor Scott and Rich and Annie and Colin, those guys are the only ones who can actually preach. Just a missionary who's been over in who knows where for 2,500 years. God calls all of us to be in a place where we share his love with this world that he wants to see redeemed and restored and he wants to see flourish. He calls all of us to share. And what is it? Simply telling our story, man, right? It's powerful to know that in John's gospel, Jesus reminded them that I did not, you did not choose me, rather I chose you and I chose you that you might bear fruit and fruit that would last Oh, man. Can, can, you, can you hear it? 
Can you see it? God wants to, God wants to use us to let people know that he loves them deeply. How many people do you know that, that, that have the wrong image of God, the wrong understanding of God? As they encounter people who have an authentic relationship, who are actual disciples, they will get a clearer picture. This fellow who showed up to school in Santa Fe, Texas, I can't help but to think that if somebody had gotten to him, shared Jesus with him, and God transformed him, things would have been, somebody say different. different. Call them first that he might be with them. Secondly, that he might send them out to share him, his way, his will, his love, his grace, his kindness, his goodness, his wisdom, his understanding with others. Would you say, God, help me? Third thing, that he called them and he gave them the authority to drive out demons. Now all together say, ooh, (laughs) demons, ooh. We don't want to talk about demons, the demons we have, and the three that's in our cousin. (laughs) You know we got some devils that have stopped. Now don't point to the person next to you this time. But he, he has given us, he's given us the authority to drive out demons. And what I want us to understand is this, is that there are some things that we cannot take care of ourselves. We don't have the wisdom, we don't have the intellect, we don't have the understanding, we don't have the capacity, but he does. And so he calls us into a place that we're in this relationship with him. We understand what he wants, and then we trust him to do those hard things. Some of us can't trust God to do more than cure a headache. And God has said, no, 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 no. What seems impossible to you is not impossible with me. Amen. Amen. And because of our faulty thinking, we put God in these, they're not even big boxes. It's it's the box in door number two. You know that little box? There's a big box in door number one. Price is right. Little box in door number two. And they got the, the, the big thing at door number three, right? We put them in these little boxes because we can't fathom God doing something that's outside of our own ability. We have got to trust God. So because of their relationship, they were able to see who God really was because they witnessed him healing. They witnessed him feeling, feeding thousands. They witnessed him raising folk from the dead. Lord have mercy. There's some folk I don't want to get up. But think about it. He called them and he gave them the authority to drive out demons. And there are some situations and circumstances that we need to speak the word of God over. We need to speak the word of God over. We need to speak the word of God over. Because we have no authority of our own. It comes from the Father. Through the Son and the Holy Spirit to us. Lord, have mercy. My younger sister was the biggest druggie ever saw, and I'll, I'll end with this. She lost her three sons, and to this day, she didn't know where her youngest son is. And she was so bad off, she was so drugged up that she, she didn't even wear shoes. She had shoes that had no soles with just a shell on the top. She would break into abandoned apartments, and that's where she was sleeping. When she would come to Dad's house, literally, Dad, Dad would lock all the cupboards because he knew she would leave with something she didn't bring. And she was a mess. But today, that young woman is so sold out to Jesus, it is just mind-blowing. She loves God. She's in a ministry to the homeless. And if I'm not careful, she's going she's to end homelessness in all of California. 
because she has been transformed by the authority of Jesus. She's been transformed by the power that comes from God. She's been changed. And I'll tell you about change because there's a time I didn't like folk who looked like you. Now I have nothing but love for you even if I don't like you. Amen. Because God changes us. Amen. I did opium and acid and hashish and heroin and all that stuff too. But when I had this encounter, somebody dared to share the gospel with me. They preached to me and the gospel did something in me that transformed me. So I stand before you today as a man who's been changed. This is what God wants for us. Calls us first to be with him. Secondly, that we might share his truth around us. And thirdly, that we might have authority, his authority, that we would represent him everywhere we go. Amen? Let's pray. God in heaven, again, we have to thank you because you are so good to us. God, I pray that if there's a person under the sound of my voice who is not sure what it is you want to do, how you want to do it, that you would change their mindset, that they would realize that, that your call includes them as well includes each and every one of us, God, and that you want to use us, well, that we, we should take time to know you and that we should allow you to use us to share with others and that we would speak your truth and your wisdom and your word over every circumstance and situation that we encounter. So bless us, we pray. Again, after we have heard your word, may we set our will to obey it all. In Jesus' name we pray. Let everybody say... Say amen again.